You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We are back, and we are looking at the 1967 classic film this week, Cool Hand Luke. That's right. We're going to learn how many hard-boiled eggs Mike Gordon can eat, and it's going to be real interesting to see how many he can get down without tossing his cookies. And, you know, Mike, how many do you think you could go for this time? Well, first off, howdy. And uh, second of all, um, yeah, I'm not sure I can look at eggs the same way again. No, I don't think anybody could look at eggs the same way after watching this movie. And it, it was interesting because it's almost like a who's who of Hollywood at the time. Or for like from that next generation on, it was pretty amazing to see who was in this movie and how they stacked up, how they were in the film. It was just a lot of fun to see, and we had a great time watching it. And we have a great crew here to talk all about it this week. But first, you know, we definitely would love to hear from you guys. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. We definitely would love to hear what you guys' thoughts on this movie are. What's, you know... Did you watch it originally at the theaters? Did you, you know, I think that was only Mark Maddox who did that. But, uh, you know, I think the rest of us, you know, watched it on video and such years and years later. But it was, it was, it was interesting to see. And we just had a great time watching it. So we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Of course, the show is brought to you by the fine folks at Tifosi Optical. That's right, folks. Tifosi Optical, your sunglass connection. They only $25. You can get a really cool pair of Tifosi sunglasses. And with Tifosi Optics, they also have the new video game glasses where you can play video games and be protected from those evil Blu-ray lights that's come out of the screen so your eyes don't get tired. And that just means more gaming for you. And you know what? All you have to do is go to tofosioptics.com and put in the code ESO Network. And when you do that, a nice little discount off of your your sunglasses and your blue glasses. It's pretty darn awesome. Tofosi Optics, your place to be for really cool shades. Of course, let's give a quick shout out to our patrons. Hi, patrons. How you guys doing? Hope you're doing okay. We have a great bunch of Patreon people out there who listen every week and they comment and they, you know, listen, they get the show 48 hours before the rest of the world because they subscribe to the ESO Network Patreon for as little as a dollar. That's right, folks. For as little as a dollar, you get some really cool material there, including in the next week, you're going to get the fourth episode of the ESO Board Silly podcast. That's right. It's coming or don't be shocked if you do but board silly is coming your way and that's only available to subscribers to our patreon and all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash eso network pretty awesome all right we are going to be blowing off an old friend this week not badly or anything but we are going to be bringing out of the closet the geek seat that's right folks 
We are unveiling the Geek Seat. I think it, we haven't seen the Geek Seat since January or February, Mikey. Well, we had to make sure it was it confirmed conformed to COVID specifications. So oh, that's true. You know, with, we with, the, with all its use over the last like decade, uh, it needed it was due for a cleaning. So, you know, teeth, hair. You know, blood, you know, the typical stuff. Well, I couldn't, the I, there were still some people on there in the geek seat, which was amazing to find. So we had to clean all that up. Well, that's why we have JD to clean that stuff up, you know, and he just takes forever anyway. So we have a new victim for the geek seat this week. Let's welcome to the show Lola Larcy. Welcome. How's it going? Welcome to the show, Lola. Thank you. Yes, welcome to the station. Uh, for those people who may not be familiar with uh, you and your podcasting, your writing, what? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I do a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, in addition to taking care of dogs and cats, um, I am a sci-fi writer. I have a website at lolalaricy.com, L-A-R-I-S-C-Y. It's a little bare right now because I switched hosts, so I haven't filled it in yet. Um, I also have a podcast. I just released episode 14. Woo! Wow. Yep. Yeah, you can find, you can subscribe to it, iTunes, Google Podcasts, all that stuff. But if you just want to play it on the website, it's at laracy.lipson.com. Excellent. Excellent. And um, what, uh, what got you into this wonderful world of podcasting? Well, I first tried to make a podcast in 2006. I said tried. Um, there is like this little, it, it was called GarageBand, but it was before Apple had GarageBand. This was this little web, like website program. You could put the songs you wanted in and it would like make a little file for you. And I kept trying to get it to work and it never quite worked. And then in like 2008, I've actually podcasted before. I just took a really long break. Mm-hmm. Um, sometime around 2008, I started podcasting again. Um, I, I had a music podcast for a long time called Cerulean's Love of Music, and the blog's still up there, but the podcast long gone, although I still have MP3s here and there. Um, and then I started another one called Cerulean's Love of Pop Culture, and then I stopped that. And then I published, I self-published a sci-fi book called Trudy Lim, Spaceship Captain, Earth Detective, and I recorded that myself. It took me a year of weekends and I podcasted that, and that's actually still available from Scribble, S-C-R-I-B-L. It used to be Patio Books. Mm-hmm. So if you go to like iTunes or whatever, you can find it. Um, and so I edited it, I recorded it, I uploaded it, I did everything. Um, the only thing I didn't do was design the cover of the ebook. That's the only thing I didn't do. And so that was so exhausting that I just kind of said, bah. And I would be on other people's podcasts, but I didn't do the whole shebang myself until COVID hit. And I was like, well, I got to figure out something to do. Let's make a podcast. That's how most of us end up here, I think. Um, uh, I want to get back to um, your your first novel, right? Uh, Julie Lim, uh, is that right? The Spaceship Captain? Earth Detective. Um, what was the? Tell us a little bit about that. What was the inspiration behind it, and what's what it's all about? Well, it's about Trudy Lim. She is ugly, and she's always horny, and she's very mischievous. 
she is from another planet. She is a spaceship captain, but she lands on Earth with her trusty psychic, Aurora, who's a little more straight-laced because somebody's got to be responsible, somebody's got to pay the bills, um, and they open up a detective agency. So it's about um, the cases they do on Earth, and then it kind of morphs into they have to leave and go back out into space and take care of something. So it spans, starts on Earth, goes out in space, and comes back to Florida, where all weird things come to die. Oh, yes. I, I, that, I, can, I have personal experience with that. Um, as far as the, the story, um, uh, I, I see that, like I said, it is available uh, as an audio book that you did release as a podcast. Um, is that the only way that's available or is it available written wise as well? Or it's an ebook. It's on Amazon for okay. like ninety nine, okay. and Smashwords. It's a little bit more on Smashwords because they make you, for some reason, they make you do it a little bit more. I think it's an Amazon thing. If you do it other places, you have to do it a little bit more at the other places. Um, and I keep saying I'm going to learn to to make a print book because my big fear is that the actual apocalypse is going to hit and like it'll be in EMP and all digital will die and I will <laughs> never be able to see or read my book again. So I want a print copy. I just haven't taught myself yet. Well, the way 2020 is going, yeah, um, you might want to prepare for that. <laughs> um <laughs> As far as the um, audio version of the novel, uh, it's, yeah, that's a lot of work putting it together as a podcast. Is it a full cast or is it just you reading or, or how was that experience? It's just me. And cool. one of the reasons why it's free is because I know the quality isn't up to snuff. I was, you know, it, I, I'm not professional and I had problems with lived in an apartment. I think I might have told Mike this. But um, I would try to record in the closet because I always heard, you know, if you don't have like a real, you know, recording studio, that's a good place because all the clothes will muffle the sound. Hmm. Well, the closet was right next to the breezeway. So you would hear people talking and walking and stuff. And then at least once, every time I was recording, someone would either start taking a shower or turn on the washing machine. So you hear... So I was like, you know, I did it. It's not perfect, so it's free. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, very cool. Um, and now, as far as your new podcast, that your uh, your current podcast, what what is the basis behind that? Well, it doesn't have one theme, which probably is a hindrance because a lot of people tend to gravitate toward themes. But I talk to different people. Basically, um, anyone I know who I think is interesting, I beg them to be on my podcast. And it could be anybody. Um, different. We have different themes. Um, I talked to my friend Janice, who's um, sort of like a behavioral therapist, and she goes around in you know time of COVID. That's kind of scary. Um, so I talked to her about that, and we end up talking about pop culture and TV like we always do. Talked to my friend Alice, who's in New York, and this was at the time when they were the epicenter, and so we kind of talked about that. Um, I've had several comic book people on. Um, I've had several musicians on. I I just recorded one with an actress that I'm going to, I usually, I'm usually a few weeks behind because sometimes I'll like do a few in a week, but I only release them weekly. So I've got several in the can that I haven't, you know, released yet. So I just talked to different people. Gotcha. It, yeah. 
Well, that's cool. I mean, a, a very conversational one. And, and the fact that you recently had uh, Director Faber on means that you're willing to interview anybody. Yeah. Oh, I've had several podcasters. I've got about <laughs> that. Duh. Yeah. So all kinds of people. Artists. <laughs> no trapeze artist yet, but. And that's, is that's. I noticed that there was some video clips of that. Um, are, is it a video podcast as well? Or are you just showing like, uh, just releasing little clips just to get people to, to get the audio version of it? Just little clips. Cause nice. I, I like to make videos, but I'm not going to sit there and try to edit an hour long video. I yeah, would God bless you. <laughs> that's a lot hours. of work. Yeah. It takes me hours just to do a six minute video. Like Mike, when I was doing the video with you, I finished it and I put a bow on it and everything was great. And I thought, Oh my God, did I forget a part? Cause I very specifically wanted to get the part where it explained radio. Cause that was the whole point. Cause the name of it was Mike Faber teaches me about radio. And so I'd already done it. And I was like, did I forget to put, get the part about radio? So I had to listen to the whole dang thing again. And I was like, okay, I got the part about radio and it, it takes me hours so, yeah, I just do little clips just because I like making videos and it's something to put on my YouTube and that way people get to see who I'm talking to. Excellent. Well, it's, in, it's interesting, though, because, you know, we talked for, like you said, over an hour and we talked on all these different topics. But it was fun to see the radio part that you posted. I just figured, you know, I learned something. Maybe someone else will learn something. No. It could always work. Yeah, but I've got the whole audio version out there, so nobody misses anything. Right. And, so, and once again, where can people find all of that online? The um, audio is laracy.lipson.com. Okay. YouTube is L- Lola Laracy. You should just be able to search for Lola Laracy on YouTube. Um, and then I have a website, lolalaracy.com. And when I get some time, I'm going to try to fill it in. I've only got like three links on there right now. But I need to re-upload because I used, on my old website, I had all my stories that you could read. And, you know, the, I even had the archive.org version of my book, my audio book there all laid out. It was all pretty, but it cost $100 a year. Mm-hmm. So I, I found a deal where I got permanent access to this WYSIWYG site for like $39 and I was like alright I'm doing that because I just can't, couldn't afford the whole deal anymore and I got the domain transferred and it's two. It's paid for two years I don't have to pay anything for two years and I'm like yes because the Squarespace was about to come up for renewal and I was like I don't have $100 sorry yeah so, it can be getting pricey out there um uh and that's uh, uh, do you um do you have a patreon or anything or how people can support you that way i started to oh another thing that i started doing because it's fun um i started making um like um little um like image like graphics like um mm-hmm. facebook headers and stuff because i subscribe well I bought lifetime access to all these like web design programs. Cause I find these deals, you're 97% off and you get all these graphics programs. So I did all that. So I've got all these graphics programs. So I started doing that and I made, um, it's called buymeacoffee.com, something like that. It's like Patreon, but less work. Um, and you know, people can donate $5. And I said, if you donate $5, I'll make a graphic for you. Um, no one's jumped at the chance yet, but hey, it's y'all's chance now. Hey, you never know, right? Buy me a coffee. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm Lola Laracy there. 
and I want to, I'm, I'm thinking about learning to do Etsy because I need money. I, I inherited these two dogs and they're sweet and everything, but they've already cost me like $1,400. So basically I'm begging. Oh, and I do Humble Bundle too. I have an affiliate with Humble Bundle. That's another way I get all this stuff from Humble Bundle. So you can do Humble Bundle partner Lola and, and you know, I should get a kickback from that. Awesome. Well, we will have uh, links to all those in our show notes so that people can check all that out and uh, lend uh, some support your way. Um, in the meantime, uh, Mike, I, I think she's warmed up and ready to go. I think the, 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 we're ready to give this uh, COVID-confirmed uh, uh, seat a try now. It even has a face mask. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> we're calling it a face mask. You know, it's okay. Sure. Really but, underwear know. that hasn't been washed? No, it's something like a gag ball, but it's okay. It has a microphone on it. It's cool. It's Don't worry about it. Pulp Fiction. Well, you know, we tried calling it the gimp chair, but you know, not not many people wanted to try that. So called instead, we called it the geek seat. So it works. Sounds a little bit better. Exactly. Oh, so Lola, geek, are, are, a circus geek is the same thing as a gimp. Oh no! Have you ever heard see? the phrase circus geek? That's of where course, the phrase for, comes from. Of course. I didn't know what I was signing up for. Well, now you know. All right, Lola, are you ready for your first question in the geek seat? Sure. Lola, what was your favorite geek out moment? Oh, my goodness. Okay. So when I was 16, my mother, I grew up in Savannah, Georgia. And they would film a lot of movies there. And so my mother was always game to take me places. And so she was always taking me to, um, to the set so that I could just watch and stuff. And there is a movie from like 1987 or whatever called 1969. It had Robert Downey Jr., Kiefer Sutherland, and Winona Ryder. And they were filming in downtown Savannah by a really pretty church. So my mother took me down there and I was like, I don't know how I managed this, but I was like right in the middle of the set. I mean, like people were just walking by. Winona Ryder walked by and I went. And then I thought, oh, people couldn't hear that. I just basically had a really silly look on my face and like, ah, like an idiot. I was 16. So I was like, okay, I have to meet Robert Downey Jr. How am I going to do this? So I saw him and I was like, how else am I going to do this except for drop from the sky on top of him? That's the only way to do this. So I got, there was a wall next to where he was walking. And it's like an old church wall. So it's all stone and tall. And God help me. I don't know how I got up there, but I got up there and I was walking along and he walked across and I went and jumped on top of him. And we weren't hurt. I wasn't hurt. Somehow I like landed on my feet in front of him. And I was like, hi, I'm Lola. And he was so nice. He was so professional and so unfazed. He talked to me for like 10 minutes. He was like, he had both his hands on my hand, like shaking my hand, you know? And he was like, Lola, are you a model? And I was like, no. (laughs) And he was like, has anyone ever sang Lola to you? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, started to sing the song. I think it was the, I don't don't remember which Lola because there was, like 20 Lola songs. It was mm-hmm. There's multiple ones. I don't remember which. I think it was, it might have been whatever Lola wants Lola gets. I don't remember. It was one of them. I was just in a day. So I was like, <laughs> that's awesome. And then he said, that... okay, I've got to go meet my girlfriend. I was like, Sarah Jessica Parker. 
Ah, that's cute. I know. That is awesome. What was your most disappointing geek out moment? Well, I would say disappointing because this was my fault. It was not the person's fault at all. It was me being an idiot. Now, fast forward, you know, I'm 40 something years old. I'm closer to 50 and I should know better. This was about two years ago. And um, they have the Supernatural, the TV show Supernatural has their own convention that goes around and tours throughout the year. And they come to Jacksonville every year, except for this year. But everybody knows about that. But they come to Jacksonville pretty much every year. Well, the, um, I went a few years ago, and I never had a photo with an actor before. I, I'd had like sing- I stood in line for signatures, you know, autographs, but I'd never done a photo with an actor. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna do that, you know. It's, it. I chose um, Ruth Connor, who plays Rowena on um, Supernatural, because I really like her, and it was the cheapest it was $35. Whereas like Jensen Ackles, is like 80 or something. So it was $35. So I was like, that's doable. And um, so yeah. it was all confusing. You had, they do it differently than Dragon Con does stuff. You had to like wait in the main room and they call your number when it was time for you to go and stand in line. So I stand in line in this room waiting to go take a picture with um, Ruth Connor, Ruth O'Connell. I think it's Ruth O'Connell. Um, and there was a group of people in front of me and they were doing a group photo with her. And when they got up, you know, they were all around her and everything was exciting. And she said, oh, hold on, let me go get the guys. So she went and got like a bunch of supernatural actors to come and take the picture with them. And I was like, oh, I want all the guys. That would be cool. And so I was like talking myself into it. I was like, Lola, people always say, if you don't ask for something, you won't get it. So I'm going to ask for it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And so when it came to my turn, I came up there and I thought I was being so innocent. I was just like basically trying to get something for extra, you know? And I said, oh, can we get the guys? Can they come over? And right then she rolled her eyes and she huffed and she walked off. And I realized that it (laughs) made me sound like I was saying she wasn't enough. Like, uh, I realized right then I was like, oh my God, I am so mortified. And I was just like, ah, and I was like trying to grasp the words to say to her. And she brought one of the guys over, the guy who plays Chuck. Um, I'm blanking on his name right now, but she brought him over. And so he took the picture with us and I was like trying to, ah, 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 but they get you off so fast someone came up as soon as the picture was taken they swished me off stage and I was like uh 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 and I felt so horrible that was like two or three years ago and I felt so horrible about that and someone on Twitter I don't remember who someone told me to hit her up on Twitter and explain it and I was like I might but she probably won't remember Right. You know, I mean, right. I don't know. It may, I may make it worse. I have a tendency if I try to make something right, I make it worse. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, I don't want to make it worse. Let bygones be bygones. But it was so, I was so mortified that I actually kind of stopped watching the show because it was so painful for me. I mean, I'm still, I've, I'm catching up now, you know, but I was just like, just mortified. And so that was my fault. That was my most, um, okay yeah that was it okay what geeks you out the most fandom 
going to conventions. I get so excited. Anytime I go to Dragon Con, I'm just like, oh my God, I'm here. And I get to see all these people. Even in the time of COVID, okay, I plan this stuff out. Because there are a lot of online things that you can do. For instance, there's something called Stage It. And mm-hmm. they have a lot of actors and you can, it's like pennies to talk to them. You buy, um, they call them coins and you buy um, 50 coins for $10, something like that. And each talk only costs like five coins. So you're like, it's like $2. And I've seen Tamil Pinnacott from Battlestar Galactica. Um, I saw DJ Qualls from a ton of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I, who else? That's cool. Yeah, a lot of people. It's 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 actually with creation. So um, I saw Joe Flanagan from Stargate Atlantis. That's very cool. Yeah, Amanda Tapping. Well, that's nice. A lot of people, and it's like two dollars each. It's so awesome. And so I plan mm-hmm. it out. I I get the tickets ahead of time, and I put it on my calendar, and I set my alarm so I don't forget. Okay. And then Galaxy um, Con is also doing the same type of thing and it's free. And okay. um, I saw Sunday, yesterday, I saw um, Gates McFadden, Robert Picardo, um, John Billingsley, and some, uh, there was another Star Trek actor who was probably from Discover. Discover. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any of the CBS Access stuff yet. So okay. Was, yeah, that. Mm-hmm. All right, what turns your geek off? Oh, um, snobby people. Snobbery. Okay. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? What fictional character? Yes. Oh, oh, that's a good question. Um, oh, oh, um, Dana Scully. I love me. From the X-Files. Awesome. What fictional character would you like to meet the least? Um, oh, uh, Freddy Krueger. Ooh, Freddy Krueger scales most people. I don't want to meet him ever. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? Um, favorite phrase or word? Um, oh, um, can we come back to that or can I pass it? You could pass. All right. I'll pass because I can't think right now. Okay. What is your ideal geek occupation? Right. You want to be a writer when you already started that. Yeah. I want to be a professional writer that gets paid. That's awesome. That's a really good thing to do. What geek occupation would you not like to do? Um... Hmm. Um, the person who cleans the toilets on any of the um, Empire ships. <laughs> I don't want to do that. You don't want to be the janitor on the Death Star. <laughs> Got it. And that's a crappy job, anyways. <laughs> ah, <laughs> ah, <laughs> on the Death Star, you could die at any moment. And, and, you Lola, are you ready for your final question in the geek seat? What is your ultimate geek fantasy? Um, that I get to be the um the 
guest of honor at a convention? Oh, that's a good one, actually. We've never had that for an answer. And I'm not talking about Lollapalooza 2020 here at the house. I'm already the prime member of that and the organizer and everything else. I'm talking Worldcon, baby. Yeah. Well, Lola, I've got some great news for you. You've made it through the geek seat. Congratulations. It's hot in here. Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young lady what she's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth, oh, it's been so long, we're going to put 50% off on it, so it's uh, $2.68. Well, thank you. Wow, we've got to build our wealth again. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I can do one of those on stage at things I was talking about for $2 and something. There you go. There you go. Thank you. That is awesome. Lola, one more time, how can people find you? Um, the best place, I forgot Twitter, Twitter, you know, slash Lola, or Lola Laracy, um, lolalaracy.com, everywhere. I'm even we'll, we'll have that all up in the show notes for you. So it'll be perfect. So people definitely look for her stuff. And she's such a great person. And she's a great interviewer. She asked some amazing questions, which is really awesome. Let's take a quick break. And we are going to be back. And we are talking all about Cool Hand Luke. Everybody, Michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment, and of course, a big farewell to uh, Ennio Morricone, who passed uh, this week at the age of 91, and he leaves behind just an incredible legacy. Um, you could go on for hours about it. His music really transcended film scores um, and influenced modern music and became cultural touchstones. So. Um, he will be remembered for quite a long time. Also, farewell to Charlie Daniels, who passed this week of a stroke at age 83. Charlie Daniels was a very patriotic guy. He was known for that, and I'm, I'm glad he got to stay with us for uh, one last 4th of July. Of course, everybody knows him for Devil Went Down to Georgia, and the South's going to rise again. But in 1968, he also wrote a top 30 single for Elvis called It Hurts Me. And also in the 60s, he played on Dylan's Nashville Skyline album. Now, Dylan, in, at the end of June, released an album called Rough and Rowdy Ways. It debuted at number two on the Billboard Hot 200. And that makes him the first recording artist to chart a top 40 album on the Billboard Hot 200 in every decade since the 60s. That's a, a, a spread of seven decades. Um his first charting album, if you want to go in terms of anniversaries, was almost 60 years ago. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, at Julian Auction House's Kurt Cobain's acoustic uh, 1959 Martin D18E, otherwise known as the guitar he played on MTV Unplugged, sold for $6.01 million. And it broke the record, which just looks like change in comparison now, 3.95 million that was paid for David Gilmore's Black Strat. And just a few hours before that, Prince's Blue Angel Cloud Guitar sold for 563,000. Um, this was one of uh, his four original Cloud Guitars. He played on the Purple Rain, Love Sexy, and Sign of the Times tour, 
tours as well as on Saturday Night Live. One of his other cloud guitars is in the Smithsonian. And speaking of Sign of the Times, um, his estate has announced a huge reissue for that album uh, due to drop September 25th with uh, like 92 tracks and 45 unreleased studio recordings. The Super Deluxe Edition, we haven't talked talked about box sets in a while, um, this will be available as either an 8 CD or 13 album set with a remastered album alongside three discs of unreleased music. Um, that's a disc with the album's single mixes, edits, and b-sides, a 1987 live gig from the Netherlands, and a bonus concert film, uh, his New Year's Eve 87 show at Paisley Park uh, with Miles Davis. Uh, there's also a 120-page hardcover book with his uh, previously unseen handwritten lyrics, images from his uh, primary photographer at the time, Jeff Katz, and liner notes by peers and friends, including Dave Chappelle, Lenny Kravitz, and his longtime engineer, Susan Rogers. You can pre-order this or some other smaller versions of the box set now at store.prints.com. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. The blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com, and we will catch you next time. You left the crew from Earth Station Who with the doctor in her prison cell and everyone else trapped in Chibnall Hell. Never fear. The way is clear with the crew of Earth Station Who right here. We save the day in the best possible way by giving you all new episodes. We mean the good stuff. Classic stories, big finish, fan favorites too. Coming to you throughout the year with happy Hoovie and cheer. And a smidge of super bonus Graham. So never fear. You can find Earth Station Who wherever you listen to find podcasts. Remember to tell all your friends. Except for Ryan. And leave feedback and subscribe. Earth Station Who is a proud member of the ESO Network. Mm-hmm.
folks time to get on your leg irons and head off to the prison because it is time to shackle up with cool hand luke take it away mikey yeah we are uh we're on the chain gang and uh talking about this 1967 movie uh starring paul newman and a host of other folks uh of course we've got with us uh our movie person one of our movie person key movie persons i should say uh we've got ashley pauls of course chained to the uh gang as well well thank you for having me back i've enjoyed talking about some of these throwback movies especially since it's looking more and more like we won't even have any movies in theaters this summer so yeah it's definitely looking that way and yeah we've uh we're, we've dug up an, a, an interesting allotment of movies to review this summer. Uh, this might be one of the, uh, I don't know what to say strangest, because it's not a very strange movie. But as far as uh, our sort of uh, look at movies, this is kind of one of those ones that I think a lot of people are going to be like, oh, that seems to come out of nowhere. Um, but um, it's actually a pretty solid classic movie. Um, I'm surprised it's probably one of those ones that's on your list of uh Ones that you have at your bucket list movies that you haven't seen, right? Yes, it was. This was my first time watching this movie. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so we'll start with you. Um, as far as what were your expectations going in? Did you know anything about it? Or what was uh, your experience like watching it? I knew a little bit about it, just that it was centered around kind of a prison setting. And of course, I was. I knew that Paul Newman was in it and... Paul Newman is just the coolest. Like he is so far beyond me in personal levels of coolness. Like I will never be able to achieve that. So (laughs) I knew it was going to be enjoyable to watch um, just for him. But what was interesting about this movie is that there's some genuinely funny and entertainment entertaining moments, but there's also some really like gut wrenching sad moments as well that really make you think. So I wasn't expecting the film to cover that deep of a range as it did. Yeah, it's it it is it does cross the gambit of uh yeah, of of all sorts of emotions watching this. Uh Mike, what was your experience with Cool Hand Luke? I know you'd probably seen it before and it came out in theaters much too early for either of us to have checked it out originally. No, definitely not. Um this was one of those movies I caught bits and pieces of and you've heard a lot of the phrases from this one. And but this actually, you're going to be laugh at this. This was the first time I watched it all the way from the start to the end. Oh wow! Okay. So you know, I knew what to expect. I knew, you know, I I've seen the hard boiled egg scene. I've seen, <laughs> you know, I've seen the fight between, uh, you know, George Kennedy and Paul Newman. And, you know, you know, everyone knows the saying, what we have here is a failure to communicate. It, uh, if you don't know the, this from the movie, you know it from Guns N' Roses. <laughs> oh, you, you have it from a lot of different places. That's true. That's true. 
you know, and so it it is it was really interesting, and like through the whole movie, I had to I watched it on the Amazon, so I was pausing it to see who was in each scene and seeing the names going across and seeing who was in this movie before they were famous. I was like to Judy, I was like that's the father from the Waltons, you know, or <laughs> that was you know that's you know Easy Rider or you know so many other different things it was like there's trapper john you know and stuff like that it was just there was just one after another after another and it was just awesome yeah you get to see uh papa welton's rear end uh oh yes he did (laughs) kind of kind of uh shocking there um it is uh actually you know uh it's paul newman's movie um i mean he's in practically every scene um and uh i definitely wanted to talk because i was in i'm curious actually what your experience with paul newman is um because you know most of his work is it predates you of course but um um what have what's your experience with paul newman what have you seen what have you liked and what kind of performances have you have you seen from him I feel like Paul Newman really is one of those legendary actors that kind of like transcends the time he was popular. And of course, many actors and actresses come and go over time, but he's one I think that people still think of just because he has so much charisma and such a presence. They joke a lot about the character's smile being iconic in the movie, but really that's Paul Newman's smile. And that's what people know him as. I, the film I think I remember him best from is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which I think we watched a couple years ago for ESO. And he's very charming in that as well. So I enjoyed seeing him play this role and just kind of bring some of that charisma to this character who's really very down on his luck. I thought you maybe just knew him before that from Cars or something like okay. that. <laughs> that is true, yes. That's <laughs> well, true. I mean... Uh, or his, you know, oh, isn't he the guy that does salad dressing? Um, exactly. Yes, yeah, and, and, salad and, dressing. And pop microwave popcorn. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, um, yeah, I think um, uh, it, it's hard. There, are, You know, it's hard pressed to find a, a better actor overall in, in history of cinema than Paul Newman, in my opinion. Um, he is one of the top. Um uh, I just recently uh, was watching Turner Classic Movies and I happened to catch him once again because I've seen it multiple times on because uh, he's done a number of um, uh, Tennessee Williams adaptations uh, to the screen. And I watched uh, him once again in Cat on Hot Tin Roof. And he's absolutely amazing in this. His eyes, I don't think, are any bluer than they get in that movie. They're just so blue in that movie. Um, but. Uh, so in some ways you kind of have to tone it down as far as like, <laughs> like what, you know, but I honestly think that the character, you know, Lucas Jackson, Luke, uh, cool hand Luke in the movie um, is pretty much uh, a character that I don't know if we would care about or like as much if it wasn't played by Paul Newman. Is that fair? I would agree. Yeah. I mean, if you if you had like, you know, and not to diminish any of the other actors in this or any of the actors out there, but like, let's just pick, you know, one of the other actors in it. If, if um, you know, if uh, uh, Dennis Hopper, like he's in this, right? If he was cool, if he was playing Luke, I don't think I would like Luke as much <laughs> no. or, or really root for him because character wise, he doesn't give you a lot. To root for he's pretty much a waste right i mean he 
he when every time we see him he's doing something that's just he just seems to be doing things to do things. He has no direction whatsoever. Now, it almost seemed like he had PTSD or something like that from when he was in the war. And he, you know, he, you know, said, oh, some hero, I ended up killing people, blah, blah, blah. And he, he, you've seen stories of this, of people coming back from different wars. They just didn't know what to do with themselves. And it, that's what it almost seemed like he was. He got, you know, arrested basically for just you know you know for mischief he he got drunk and he started taking the tops off of parking meters and that's what he was arrested for and because he was bored he didn't know what to do with himself and it was it was just interesting and i think he was okay with prison and the whole system there until what they did when his mom died and they put him into solitary. Yeah. It's definitely a turning point and everything. Uh, but it was even, just interesting. But even before that, I mean, he, you know, it seems like anytime authority tells him to do one thing, he, he is his first instinct, which he usually goes with is to do something else, mm-hmm. you know? And I do think if the movie were made today, if this were remade, I think, Mike, you're right. I think they would get into a lot more of the psychological PSD, th- PSD things from, from the war. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it, it, was just, it was just really interesting to see. And you're right. He was rebelling against any kind of authority and, you know, anything like that. He was doing what they said couldn't be done. And I'm not trying to quote Smokey and the Bandit there, but it was, he was literally, oh, you know, nobody could really escape out of this. He escaped out of the first time and he purposely got himself caught that time, you know, and the second time we don't, they never really said how he was caught. You thought he made it. He sent that magazine to them with him, with the two girls and it was just oh he's he's made it then again he's all he they catch him again but you don't know how and then the third time you thought he was a beaten man and everything and you know had to oh i felt for him when he had to dig the he, dig that that pit and then they said you're getting your dirt on our grounds fill it in and then they said they just kind of keep on doing redoing it and redoing it and redoing it you felt like okay he was broken at that point but he had his wheels spinning even then well yes and no i mean he he tells uh dragline that um they did break him Mm -hmm. they did break him and um you know and because dragline was like you know you had it planned all along and he says i've never planned anything a day in my life like and that's and that's pretty much who he is. He has no plans. Um, we get a little bit of a glimpse as his, as to his upbringing, when his uh, mom, uh, his mother figure, um, and uh, family come and visit, which is just a very bizarre encounter. I think. Oh, and they have the bed in the back of the truck and everything. Right. Yeah, that was just that was weird. Yeah, she's on her her last days. She's pretty much. Uh, consigned to the fact that she's not going to be around uh, even to see him get out. And I don't think his sentence was, I can't remember what his sentence was, but it's not that long. Cause you know, he's in there with criminal, like real criminals. 
but his compared to the others, his his offense is pretty light. You kind of even wonder why he's he's in that situation. But also the whole system, the fact that you know it's not really a prison; it's like this, uh, it's a camp. Like it's just like it's almost like a feels like a it has a POW camp feel to it rather than a prison movie, right? This is a chain gang, which mm-hmm. is just the worst. Like I, you know, I mean, how is this? This is this is not about this is not about rehabilitation. No, right? no, it was. Yeah, well, you did your time, and then you left. You were rehabilitated. If you, you could survive it. If you could survive it. And mm-hmm. you saw people that were passing out on the side of the road and, you know, getting people getting the snot beat out of them. Or it wasn't a nice place to be. It wasn't, a, you know, a prison. It was a work camp that they got put into. <laughs> yeah. And, and it seemed like the work they were doing was pretty much just busy work. Yeah. And... <laughs> not humane working conditions at all, just the way they were made to work out in the heat and, you know, probably not given enough water, enough food, and basically just almost worked to death. And it's, it's really interesting to watch this film, even though it was made quite a few years ago in times where we're talking about like law enforcement and prison reform, just to see how, much kind of the system has continued and it that was just an interesting thing for me to kind of think about just what is the goal of this prison here is it to help rehabilitate people and get them back into society or basically just to get free labor off of them i i think it's more the latter uh it definitely feels like it's more the latter uh because there's no there's nothing else uh they get up they go to work uh and they come back they collapse and they do it again and they do it again and there's no other there's no other thing in place that that for them to to do anything so they're then that's how they're contributing i guess in some ways but i mean it it's just they're just working and it gives it does give luke and i think you're right mike when you said he i can imagine that when he was on trial that he did everything he could not to uh, n- not to get off lightly, you know, to to, mm-hmm. to go to the hard, the harshest sentence he could get, which is where he ends up, just because I think he looked forward to having some sort of structure in his life. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. Or he maybe felt like he had to repent for some bigger sins or something like that. There could be a little bit of that too. I mean, they don't. We don't. Yes, we. He. he we know that he's not proud of his war record. Mm-hmm. No. Especially the fact that he has medals for bravery. Well, exactly. He had two purple heart, two or three purple hearts. And yeah. So, you know, that's just, it's pretty amazing. You know, when they were saying, you know, what, what he did at the war and everything, but then the discussions he was having with God, you know, and, you know, I think, you know, he, he was trying to find vindication or something, you Mm -hmm. know, or, to pay yeah, I, to to atone for some kind of sins. The well, I definitely want to get into the religious symbolism of this movie because it's in your face. Oh God, <laughs> the, the like, it's not subtle at all. No, the the scene where he was laying on the table <laughs> with his arms like Jesus, you know, after he did all the eggs. Yeah, and, you know, and it was just like, damn, <laughs> crucify much, you know. Oh, there's a lot of that. And there's a lot of his, uh, some of his speeches to, you know, he, he refers to God as uh old man, uh, seeming like a father figure. Um, and, and he, I mean, in, in, 
it's not written exact quote, but I mean, he basically says, why hast thou forsaken me? Like a few times in this. And his struggle with that is, is yeah, it makes up for certainly the last act of the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, very much so. And that's what just, it just made it very interesting to see. And they just had such a strong cast around him, but he shone through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, true. Um, and, and what, and I want to talk about that for just a second and say that I do think that like, yeah, he does. I mean, it's Paul Newman for Christ's sake, but I think that one of the beauties of Paul Newman is he doesn't, he doesn't actively like overshadow anybody else. I think he, no. works, he brings everybody else up with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, George Kennedy, say what you will about the man. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that the only time he was even nominated or won Best Supporting Actor uh, an Academy Award is when he's opposite Paul Newman. <laughs> you know? Like, you don't think of you don't think of George Kennedy as an Academy Award winning actor. No offense to him, right? If you think of him at all. <laughs> um, so you have George Kennedy. You have a lot of other names. Are there any other characters or actors that stood out for you, Ashley, in this? Some of the prison warden characters were interesting, especially the sunglasses guy. How even oh. though he doesn't say a lot, like, you just know, like, this is a nasty man. Like, he enjoys... <laughs> being bad to people and you're kind of cheering when uh, the other guy punches him at the end. Like he's just a bad person. Like he's in the prison system so that he can, you know, exercise his authority over people. And I thought they did a good job making an impact with minimal dialogue with him and just seeing how the other characters reacted to him and were nervous around him and reacted to his position of authority. Yeah, well, uh, he is, uh, the director uh, shoots him so, uh, I don't want to say coolly, but um, uh, just in this menacing way. Uh, his, every time we see him, he's wearing those sunglasses, which are, you know, obviously blocking our, our view of his eyes, but they're reflecting back usually to, you know, whatever uh, sort of is, is out there. And so all you're getting from him is a reflection back and it's just, it's unnerving. You make it think that he doesn't have a soul. That it's yes. Just, yes. That yeah, it's absolutely that, that it's just, it's all, you know, hollow behind that. It's just pure evil. And it's, it's just, it's just amazing. And the symbolism of the car running over the sunglasses at the very end mm-hmm. of the movie was just like, Wow. Because when George Kennedy's character attacked him, yeah, you know, and it was just it was just awesome. Yeah, because unlike the other guards, um, I mean, he doesn't do he doesn't seem to do anything with malice. Like he's not one of those guys that's like overreacting to him or calling him out or anything like that. There's a there's a creepy quiet, quietness to him. Yes, <laughs> no, there was, and uh, and that's pretty amazing. Um, and, uh, what did you think of, because uh, I don't know what your experience with Strother Martin is, but what did you think of uh, the, the head of um, uh, the captain, so to speak, of this uh, chain gang colony? Um, let's see, which this was, I'm trying to remember. He was the ward. Was he, he was the ward. Okay, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he didn't seem like he was a super great guy either. But <laughs> <laughs> did it? Did I mean? Because when we're first introduced to him, you know, um, he's very you know southern gentlemanly, like you know, like welcome and you know, et cetera, et cetera. I'm a fair man, et cetera. Like, and so, so you get the impression. Do you get? Do you do you buy it at first? Are you surprised, or are you are you right away? Are your you know. Um, uh, are your feelers out going, uh, this guy, there's something wrong with this guy? Yeah, I think there's something unsettling about the whole prison camp, which I think part of it has to do with how it's shot and what we see. But there's just a feeling that there's there's some things not going right here and that not everybody who works here is necessarily doing this for the best reasons. Oh, no, no. But then again, Judy got upset when the dog died. So, you know. That was, that really any, did anytime, get me. Yeah, anytime a dog goes, that's, yeah, they say never do that. <laughs> Poor <Yeah>. Blue. <laughs> <laughs> when they opened the back of the trunk, I was like, please don't let that be the dog has died. And then that was a hard moment for me. <laughs> I thought they were going to pull uh, Luke out or something. I did too. Yeah. 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 Then you realize mm, it's kind of too small for Luke. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, oh disturbing the way they shot it too it's like it, i don't even want to know how they made that because it doesn't look good um so we have a number of other character actors great character actors that appear a, as part of the chain gang uh george kennedy of course we've already mentioned uh we've already mentioned or i think we've also mentioned dennis hopper uh wayne rogers uh dean stanton uh we've got joe don baker in here Mm-hmm. Um, did you are these all new names to you? You must know some of these people, Ashley, right? Some of you them are familiar, folks, yeah. And especially as the camera would go around, I would see people that I recognize, like, oh, yeah, I've seen that person before. And I enjoyed seeing the ensemble cast, how they each got their own little moments. I also enjoyed the use of music in this movie, like seeing some of the characters play songs and then how some of the songs had symbolism to what was going on on screen. I thought was a nice touch as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, any of them stand out for you? Um, really, again, it's hard. Like when you've got Paul Newman on the screen, it's kind of hard to (laughs) outshine that, shall we say. So that was definitely the character that made the biggest impression on me. But I was, uh, would be interested in like watching the movie again to maybe pick up on some of the background things that I might have missed. I did think the character who was the dog handler was interesting just because how genuinely he cared about these animals. And that was one of the few times in this film, I think that we saw a person just openly and unabashedly express care and concern for another living being. So I thought that was a really interesting moment, as sad as it was. Almost, uh, almost as heartbreaking as uh, seeing the dog come out of the trunk uh, itself was seeing the dog struggle with the fence. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that was that was that was almost one of the most brutal things in the movie for me. <laughs> I was oh, like, please, the dog go like, please the cut, server. please cut the scene. Yeah, yeah, we get it, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, and and, and I, I also mentioned I need to mention uh, Ralph Waite, which we've already mentioned too. It's Papa Walton, but uh, um, because yeah, he definitely stands out here too. But I think yeah, I think. Dennis Hopper it may be a little wasted in this. Uh, not literally, maybe he was, I don't know. Um, but um, he has that reputation. But 
Like I don't, I didn't really see him, uh, you know, stand out particularly Wayne Rogers, uh, stand stood out to me and Henry, Harry Dean Stanton, uh, who's just, uh, listed as Dean Stanton in this movie. Um, you know, when he sings, uh, uh, when he's singing, that's, uh, uh, some of those, uh, sort of gospel songs with his, uh, guitar. I think that those are, those are pretty good moments soundtrack wise. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And it's just interesting because then the scene where they had um, Luke playing the banjo after his mom died, it was Mm -hmm. just heartbreaking. I don't know if I'd ever seen Paul Newman sing before. Mm, I've seen many of his movies and he's not known for doing musicals. That's for sure. Um, But I don't know that I've ever even seen him, heard him sing. I'd have to, I'd, I was thinking about that while I was watching this. I'm like, this is new. Yeah. It was, it was really interesting to see. And, you know, you had also, you know, you had so many other character actors. The one guy who, the only thing I had seen him in was the James Bond movies as the Southern Sheriff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, he plays um, uh, Pepper, right? Sorry, exactly. In a couple of the Bond movies. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it was awesome because he, he was so stereotypical. But he was, you know, it was like, oh, I've, and, but it was neat to see him in another role in everything. Yeah. Not, in not, a, not a huge range. Yeah. But <laughs> no, no, not, not, but, you know, for me, Lucille stole the movie, though, you know. That whole scene with the car wash, it was just like, Judy was like, really? Did they have to do this? (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, yeah, they did. (laughs) And it's like, like, oh, so that's where Negan got the name of the baseball bat. Okay. What cracked me up because because it's like who really washes the car like that? You know, you're it's a it's dirty, it's messy, it's a huge pain to actually walk your wash your car. So that kind of cracked me up. Definitely not realistic at all per se. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was the first such car wash, sexy car wash scene in in cinema. Uh, I haven't been able to do the research on that to figure out. Uh, 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 I'll, you know, I'll dive right into that though and, and see what I see, see if I can find um, uh, other examples of sexy car wash scenes. But it certainly is one of the most memorable. Uh, mainly, I think also because uh, uh, she's like, there's only like I think two women in this whole movie, two women roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very much uh, testosterone. A movie uh, wouldn't you say Ashley yes although something I would say is that it felt like it was historically accurate for the time like it wasn't necessarily excluding women per se but this was a men's prison and kind of based on what the history would have been obviously it would have been nice to see a little more scenes with his mother and some interactions like that but in terms of the prison it felt like it was being fairly realistic versus excluding to me at least well what made sense about it a little bit is this story takes place in the early 1950s and he's coming back from world war ii right and everything and so it was just and it's gonna sound a little silly this reminded me watching this a little bit of the same kind of characters that were in oh brother where art thou i don't know if 
you guys are that I've familiar. seen it and uh yeah I mean I it, you've got the chain gang kind of well you got you got thing. the yes, you got the chain guy but the 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 guard with the you know the sunglasses and everything mm-hmm. and the bloodhounds and everything was the same thing and you know I'm sure the Cohen brothers I was going to say I don't think that's a coincidence no I th- <laughs> I know they took that right from this yeah. movie and it was it was just awesome to see and everything and I just I thought it was great to see how they put this together and a little bit of trivia for it uh Jovan Fleet who played Luke's mom she uh was a, that she wasn't the first person who they wanted for that role they wanted Betty Davis for that role originally. wow it really she, felt like more of a Shelley Winters type role to me <laughs> but uh I um yeah I I could see that yeah, so it was interesting because the act the, when because this was originally written as a book, and the um, writer said he had pictured uh, Betty Davis as the mom when he was writing the role and everything. So it was kind of cool. The uh, I, I think you hit a point. Yes, the, it, you have to sort of take the the movie away from when it uh, when it was made from when it's set because I I don't you know even though it's a 1967 movie it's set in the early fifties. So it's not depicting a time, uh, a current time from when it was made. However, I think Mike, to your point, the fact that he's coming out of world war two, but I don't think they thought of world war two veterans the same way as they thought of Vietnam war veterans, the way they were treated and, and the, the stress that they went under, et cetera, et cetera. This, um, this feels like, this feels like he's a he's a Vietnam vet instead of a World War II vet. Did you get that vibe as well? Oh, ex- extremely so. And it was that's what was based off of the time. It was you know anti-establishment, and that's what Luke was trying to represent as what was going on in the country at that time. Yeah, because I mean, the prevailing opinion was, uh, or not prevailing opinion, but uh, there was a huge debate in this country about whether or not we should be involved in Vietnam and what was going on over there, et cetera. That cause wasn't as as just as World War Two was, um, and so you uh, you definitely sort of feel that you know, like you know, if you come back from shooting uh, from the war and shooting Nazis, you feel pretty good about yourself. But if you come back feeling like from like a Vietnam situation, then you're probably feeling a lot more guilt uh, ridden. No, I agree completely. And that's what is just, it's interesting because you have, you know, two different, You since World War II, you had Korea and then you had Vietnam and Vietnam was a whole different beast than World War II. World War II, the people had the ticker tape parades and everything. But in when they came back from Vietnam, the soldiers were looked down upon and they were not treated as heroes. They were, you know, baby killers. And, you know, it was, you know, village burners and, you know, see everything because they were, it was being shown on TV for the first time. And it was just, it was not a good situation. And that's what the bad thing about it was. And with that being said, Newman's character of Luke was supposed to represent that whole thing, even though it was supposed to be World War II. 
Yeah, it's supposed to be World War II, but if if the book is it's based on a book in nineteen that was written in nineteen sixty five. Um, but if this if the book and the film had been made in in the early fifties, it would have been completely different. Like I don't, yeah, it wouldn't have been uh, as much of a um, drama per se as far as what was going on with him. I think. So in a lot of ways, this can be, this movie, bottom line is, I think this movie can be lumped in with uh, anti-war movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, Even though it's not so. directly about, you know, it doesn't take place. But, but the, the, the prison camp feels like a POW camp to me. It feels like when you watch war movies and you see like Stalag 13 or et cetera, et cetera, um, like Bridge on the River Kwai, this, this has this feel to it like that. Yes, I definitely don't think that was a coincidence, especially with that tying in with him being a war veteran. I think they were definitely making a point with that. So uh, so the U.S. Library of Congress has already selected this movie as one of the, uh, the best in, in that's been ever, ever been made. Um, does it hold up to you guys? Does it, is this a classic movie that you feel is, is worth investing time in? Um, Ashley, what did you think about like, you know, watching this, it, I don't, it, it probably wasn't on your immediate list, but, um, you know, your experience watching this is, is an important movie, do you think? I would say so, yes. This is one that I would recommend that film fans would need to watch as part of, like, going back through film history. The interesting thing about this movie is that it was actually a little heavier than I thought it was going to be, so mm. it wasn't necessarily a fun, feel-good movie to Sorry watch. Sorry about that. No, 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 but I can tell that it's one that I've been chewing on. I watched it yesterday afternoon and this evening, and throughout today I've still been thinking on it. So that's how I can tell a movie has kind of gotten to me a little bit, is that it's something that I return to and think on it's interesting to watch as a slice of life when you think about how life would have been back then and to kind of compare to now like what are some reforms that have happened what are reforms that still need to take place like we have better mental health care for veterans now but we still have work to do so just I think there's a lot that you can take from this film and learn and apply to life today both from and also studying this film that was made in the past. So I think it's definitely a should or must watch. I think, I think, yes. And I think another thing that I was thinking of, because uh, I'd seen this movie before, uh, this is probably the third or fourth time I've seen it uh, all the way through. And uh, even though I've recognized the, you know, anti-Vietnam, anti-war sentiments prior that, um this time watching it, I was really aware of the um, the abuse of power that uh, uh, authority figures, police officers, prison guards can have and and take advantage of. Um, don't know why that was in my head, uh, but <laughs> um, I mean, look, it's it's pretty much an all white cast. But that's another thing that would be a lot different if it was made today, right? Oh, very much so. And it it was w- crazy. See, with the movie, I thought, truthfully, from what we saw, you know, the guards and everything, until he did his first escape, they were actually not rude to him, not awful and everything. Until, you know, even the ones who were saying, you know, when they said he had to be put in the box so he wouldn't run when his mom died. And, 
you know, they were like, sorry to have to do this to you, you know, feel bad about it. After he ran, that was all out the window. Mm -hmm. You saw the dark side and it was just really interesting. And like you just said, Mike, this would not be made that way today. It would be a whole different story type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and not um, in a good way. No, no, not in a good way. And, and you have to wonder like if, you know, uh, I, I think the question is there, like if he hadn't been put in the box after his mom died, uh, would he have ran? That's and a good question. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know that he would have. Cause he seemed almost happy prior to that. You know, he was having fun right. with the guys. He was, he was, uh, you know, he was, he was enjoying his status as being cool hand Luke. Um, later it became a burden to him. Uh, mm-hmm. that, those scenes struck me as really telling too, when he was lashing out at them saying like, you're all leeching off me, you know, um, and that was that was that was pretty striking as well, and that was very telling about the dynamics of of that sort of system and how they there's that like you know you, we we root for the cool guy because he's the rule breaker, but you know is he really a cool guy? Oh, exactly. Like when he needs help and is looking down and needing of some compassion, like people just basically ignore him, and he doesn't become a hero again until he steals the truck and drives away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of great scenes in this that are uh, we've talked about our cinema history. Uh, obviously, um, you know the 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 sequence. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Um, doubly impactful because the original speech is so iconic, and then of course at the end when uh, when Paul Newman's character starts to starts to run it back to him, he, that's when he gets shot, and uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty pretty striking that scene as well um did you feel like he uh i don't want to say satisfied but was do you feel like his death was earned ashley um i felt it felt really tragic to me especially when considered this man is basically in prison for a prank and then he ends up losing his life over this so even though he's driving away smiling it it still reads as pretty tragic to me. And it's sad that this is what his life had to come to. And maybe he sees this as the only way out. Like he's just being stifled in that prison and they're just trying to break him. So it was, it was a sad ending for me. It does seem like the ending when right before that, when he decides to part ways with uh, George Kennedy's character, that he's, that he's resolved that he's going to die. Yeah. He seems to think it's inevitable. Well, exactly. It's just like, this is, you know, it's almost like when he was in the church and he was just like, he knew it was the end. There was no getting out of there. And to continue with the spirituality-ness of it, I mean, even though he dies, we don't see him actually die. But when he, you know, when and once he's taken away, uh, the scene afterwards, uh, you know, his legend will always live on. Well, exactly. And, you know, always be cool hand Luke. Even that scene when they were starting to take him away and the police officer said, Hey, do you want me to contact the emergency room to make sure they have, you know, to get space for him to prepare? And they said, no, we're taking him to the prison. And they were like, that's an hour away. He won't make it. 
Yeah, they knew that. You knew. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So, uh, I mean, certainly lots more to talk about with this movie, but, um, I think as Ashley said, we'll be mulling over this one, uh, still, um, uh, any last thoughts on it, Ashley? No, just was really glad to have a chance to watch this and I'll be continuing to think on it. I did appreciate a few of the lighter moments in the movie, like the egg eating scene is just fantastic. I really enjoyed that. So it was nice to have some moments that focused on the character's humanity just as a regular guy. And I something else I did like about the ending was seeing his friend um, stand up to the police and like actually get angry on his behalf. So I think that Luke kind of assumed that nobody else cared about him, but I think this one other guy really did and saw him as a friend. So I think that maybe touched Luke just a little bit to see that he really did have somebody that cared about him as a person. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since their relationship seemed to start off so badly. Right. And he could have easily taken this opportunity to run and escaped himself, but he doesn't. So I think that maybe meant a lot to Luke. Yeah. Mike, what about you? What, uh, any last words on Cool Hand Luke for now? Well, like you guys were saying, you know, George Kennedy's character was the big man on campus before Luke got there. And Luke had to prove himself. And you know, and so, and he did this movie touch. It has so many different levels and it's definitely a movie you need to watch multiple times to start even hate to say it, cracking the eggshell to be able to get through. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's going to be hard to swallow. Mike. <laughs> yeah, just a little salt on it. It'll be okay. <laughs> oh man. That's like, I don't think that's, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I, that's a lot of eggs, man. 50. Yeah, I eggs. felt queasy. Especially <laughs> since he downed like 10 of them in the last two minutes, right? Oh, oh that uh. was awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, uh, once again, uh, I think we've done a, a great movie, at least a little bit of justice, uh, at least hopefully bringing it to uh, some people's attention. You know, movies like this are out there. And sometimes I think some, you know, they're, they dip out of the radar. Uh, occasionally so anything that we can do to sort of uh have people re- give people a re- re- reason to rewatch this because yeah i've seen it multiple times now and you're right mike every time i watch it i get something else out of it it's not something that i can just pop in all the time it's not a feel good like hey let's watch cool head luke baby oh. uh, <laughs> uh, get us in the mood uh no it's not one of those movies whatsoever uh, but I think it is an important movie and it was really well made. And it's, uh, it's one of a, the, one of the best actors of the industry ever, uh, one of his best performances. So I definitely think people should check it out. Oh, very much so. And, you know, like for me, next week's movie that we're doing is a movie that I could watch over and over <laughs> and over and over and over. So there's a teaser. Oh yeah. Uh, so- <laughs> we've seen a lot of feel good movies so i guess it's only fair that we put one in there that just makes us think a little bit so well thinking is good now in especially this day and age well we certainly have a lot more time to do so um all right well um that's it for cool hand luke and uh we will be right back to close out the show after we give you a little bit of another returning character or another returning segment on our show which is the con report blow off more dust guys
Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about my rewatch of Avatar. So the entire series of Avatar is up on Netflix, and I decided to rewatch it all. I'm a little over halfway done with the series, and as someone who watched this from beginning to end on TV, it has been a really interesting rewatch. Starting off, this show has is amazing, and the story was something that many of us had never seen before. We saw characters based off of many different ethnicities. For me, it was amazing to finally see characters based off of natives, which was something you didn't see a lot in cartoons. And even as a teenager, this was really beneficial to me, seeing natives in lead roles in a TV show. The story is very engaging. Even years later, you care for these characters and you grow with them, and seeing their journeys, for some of you... Who have not seen Avatar, it's the story of Aang, a young man who found out that he is the Avatar, a person who can use all the elements, and he uses them to help save the world. In the case of Aang right now, he has to learn all the elements to stop a hundred-year war with the Fire Nation, who has been trying to take over the world and rule it with an iron hand, basically. Aang has been frozen in ice for over a hundred years and is found by two water tribe teams named Katara and Sokka. They go on a journey with Aang to help him learn the other elements and to help him win the war so everyone can live in peace. This show is so interesting and thought-provoking while also being very, very fun to watch. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. Hey everyone, welcome back. We're blowing the dust off of it. It's back. It's the ESO Network Con Report. Now we're calling it, I think we're going to have to rename it to the ESO Network Virtual Con Report because that's the only way that conventions seem to be happening these days, at least the ones that uh, we're involved with and we care about. And uh, look, just a... uh, Real quick message um, for those people who I don't know how, but they might not have heard this, uh, but uh, DragonCon has officially announced that uh, they, the actual con itself in downtown Atlanta in 2020 will not happen, uh, will not take place. Uh, they, um, they made the announcement that, uh, quote, we are heartbroken to make this but announcement, but we do so with the support of you, our fans, our partners, the Atlanta Convention Visitors uh, Main Office, City of Atlanta. Um, and um, even though they're not going to be a physical convention in this September, this Labor Day weekend, they are going to be doing virtual programming uh, during that weekend as well. So uh, nothing is uh, scheduled yet as far as um, no details have been made as far as how that's going to be done. I imagine a lot of it's going to be through DCTV handled that way, but um, and the various tracks are, are going to be announcing things as well. So keep up to date from all the information on virtual Dragon Con 2020. Uh, you can tune into the Dragon Con report. Uh, there we will be recording an episode in about a week or so with all the information that we have. 
regarding uh, the this new way to view Dragon Con uh, this year. Um, so we're very excited that it's still going to take place in some form uh, because let's face it, uh, 2020 has been full of uh, like nastiness, but to have no Dragon Con at all would really would really make things even worse. I think so. Uh, so keep keep listening uh, to us here. Uh, and certainly, uh, we'll have the uh, Dragon Con report here at uh, as well. Um, but for more details, uh, listen to the Dragon Con report on the ESO Network as well as. You know, check out dragoncon.org and all the, the social media for the uh, tracks and everything um, for the latest information. Anything else to add on that, Mike? Nope. I'm just crying. I was so looking forward to seeing everybody. I really was. But it's going to be cool to be there virtually with everybody. That's all I could say. Yeah, I think we're still going to be part of it, um, you know, in whatever form we can. Um, and, uh, it's still going to be a pretty great weekend, I think. So we'll just be, we'll just be connecting visual, uh, you know, via zoom maybe, or some way. Well, we'll see. I don't know how they have plans. They haven't said anything about how they're planning on it. Um, I do know that like our friends, Joe and Gary and Caro already heavily at work getting everything, you know, starting to talk over. And, you know, Joe and Gary have been for the last three months been doing virtual panels already in their on their Facebook group page. They're so ahead of their time, those guys. Yeah. They're just oh, they're I so know. ahead of the curve. They're, those guys are on I, top of it. I don't ever think that Gary would ever be known as a trendsetter, but he is. <laughs> so um so yeah, so keep listening to this space uh, for more information as we get it. Uh as far as our role uh, here on our station one and as 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 mike and mike uh, because um uh you know we're still listed i think as as guests for the convention so yeah. i think technically we're still guests even though it's going to happen virtually so um uh we'll have as much information as we can along with uh information on other virtual cons that uh that hit our radar as well so if you have any questions, concerns, uh, things that you would like to, to us to handle or, or look into, please feel free to reach out to us uh, because we love talking about conventions, even if they're virtual conventions. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Before we get out of here, though, we all got to see something pretty damn amazing this last week on Disney+. Plus. We finally got Hamilton. We got to see the man, the myth, the legend. His name is Alexander Hamilton. It was actually a lot of fun. And we, you know, I watched it. Mike watched it. Ashley watched it. And the Thank sad- you, Disney Plus. Exactly. Thank you, because we were actually supposed to see it this year back in April. Yeah, we were supposed to see it at the Fox uh, in April, and it got bumped to August, and now it's bumped to next year. So. Exactly. And it was. I was so happy when they announced that it was coming on to Disney Plus with the original cast and everything, because we would see the road cast, and you know what? I'd have been just as happy with that. Um the music was wonderful. This whole 
you know, I, I already, already want to go out and buy the, you know, the soundtrack and, you know, it's just like, oh, this is just, this is, it was just, it was great. It was just awesome. Which is good. It's interesting coming from you, Mike, because I know that going into Hamilton, you were not particularly um, hyped. No, I'm not a hip hop or a rap person in general. And I was like, really? Because I'm a history buff. But, you know, I don't, didn't really think the whole th- thing with Alexander Hamilton and, you know, doing rap to it or doing, you know, hip hop. But it was, I'm going to, I'm good at eating crow. I've gotten really great about it here <laughs> on the podcast. And I'm going to say I loved it. I fully, fully loved it. I just thought it was great. And so, you know, I got a shoe here. I'm going to just eat and stuff it in my mouth and everything. Ashley, did you, uh, did, what, uh, what, were, what were your thoughts overall? I really enjoyed it. I was fortunate enough to get to see a traveling performance of Hamilton last summer in Kansas City. And I'm doubly grateful now just with everything going on with COVID. Not sure when we'll be able to see things live. So I was I felt very blessed that I could see it, but I think I almost enjoyed it even more on Disney plus just because I could see the actor's faces so up close and I kind of knew what to expect. So I could just kind of sit back and follow the lyrics and it was just really fun. I think it's a, it's a good way to tell a true story from history and to get people having some of those conversations, especially with what we're going through now as a country, it's, it's good for people to just talk about like where we came from, where we're going. And so I'm glad that they released it around the 4th of July, I think was good for people to talk about. And I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I have had King George's song. You'll be back running on a constant loop in my head. So it's it's in there now. So practically stole the show. Yeah. Yes. That was the biggest surprise to me. I mean, I'd heard, I'd heard a lot about the show. Um, Michelle loves the show. I mean, she's never got a chance to see it from start to finish, uh, but she's certainly familiar with the soundtrack. Uh, she's familiar with a lot of video that she's seen of certain scenes and everything. But this is the first time she was actually able to see the whole thing, which is great. Um, and I just looked at it like, you know, from the side going, oh yeah, that's a thing. Um, uh, but seeing it, um, the genius that is Lin-Manuel Miranda is just on full display. It really lives up to the hype. Uh, it's written so well. It's performed so well. Uh, everything about it is professional uh, at its best, professional theater at its best. Um, it's just, it is an amazing show. I can't wait to see it live uh, because it's been a while. I mean, I've seen a lot of plays, but it's been a while since something's blown me away like that. And kudos to Disney Plus and the people who made it. Um, usually filmed uh, versions or filmed version, yeah, filmed uh, like of stage plays or kind of leave you flat. But there was an energy to this one that I uh, hadn't really seen in a in a film before like this. Yeah, all you, I, all you need to say is da 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 da. da. <laughs> So, uh, so thank you, Disney Plus, because uh, I think this was supposed to originally come out in theaters next year, and yes. they pushed it ahead uh, to give us uh, all something to look forward to on the July Fourth. And, whew, you know, it was uh, 
It was pretty amazing. So well, I, I don't think it'll be the last time we watch it either. No. And, you know, it's not like they marketed it at all. You know? <laughs> oh, no, not at all. It just came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. It was like, exactly. oh, here it is on my Disney Plus. You know what? I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, my God. Everybody was watching it. It was just, it was awesome. And, you know, there's folks out there that it wasn't their cup of tea. Sure. But, you know you know, after they got their heads out of the ground. It's good, you know. <laughs> oh, that's where their heads were. Yeah, oh, I, I <laughs> didn't want to say the other place. <laughs> but, you know, you know, what's been going on, you know? Did I miss something? <laughs> so it was it was awesome. Um, Hamilton, thumbs up, totally. And I'm sure we're going to watch it again. And hopefully next August, we'll be able to go see it. Yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yeah, so fingers crossed that we'll be able to actually go see it. God, to be able to go see it on Broadway, though, that would have been expensive! Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, oh yeah, so, but it is awesome. And now I know what all the hype was about and I could see why. You know, people have been as we like to say, felling over it. So it was just I didn't think it was possible for it to live up to the hype. And I was like, it didn't, not only did it live up to it, but it far exceeded it. And I just, that doesn't happen very often. Mm -hmm. And, you know, two hours and 45 minutes on Disney plots to sit. Mm -hmm. And it was nothing. It was nothing. It was enjoyable and ah, makes up for that Mary Poppins movie he did. It's okay. (laughs) Wow. Throwing shade. Uh, Mary Poppins. Well, yeah so that is going to wrap up the show for tonight any shout outs uh dear ashley uh just thanks again for having me on and i'm i think i might have mentioned this as a shout out earlier this year but as we see a lot of cons being canceled please find ways to support your local artists vendors writers all that kind of thing it's looking extremely likely like we may not have any of these types of gatherings for the rest of the year, but there are still people who rely on these. So please find ways to spend your con dollars and help out some local artists. Exactly. Or independent comic book writers Mm -hmm. or, you know, you know, musicians, you know, all these artists need your help and, you know, they have Patreons, they have GoFundMes, they have Etsy, you know, there's all these different ways to support these folks please you know if you're not going to a con spending thousands of dollars for a hotel at say dragon con which we talked about earlier or you know another con that you're going to be planning on going to maybe you get some artwork like i got on the back behind me original artwork that you get at the cons or something go look up these artists or go and see you know hey i'm a big fan of blah 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 something Look at Etsy or Pinterest or whatever, and you could definitely find artists and writers and stuff that could use your support. It's pretty darn awesome. And a great one, Ashley. That was good. And it's always great having you here. Oh, thanks. It's always fun. Gives me something to do in this time of quarantine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Alex Autry, if you are, are listening, we missed you tonight. So it was cool. And Mr. Mike, we made it through another one. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you're going to shout out about? 
I do want to give a shout out to a uh, fellow ESO network uh, host, Gerald, Gerald Glassford on his uh, pop culture cosmos uh, podcast, reaching episode 2000, uh, two, two, uh, 200, sorry. Oh, wow. 200. Well, yeah, well yeah. they do put out <laughs> well, a lot. I was going to say he puts out a lot. So uh, yeah. So I don't know if that's, it's so funny because pop culture cosmos 200 came out, which is amazing. But I don't think that counts like all the ones he does, the multiverse ones or whatever. So, um, so yeah, his is he's got a lot uh, of uh, podcasts that he releases. But um, just to give a shout out to him and his persistence and his consistency with putting out uh, pop culture news and related information, I think uh, you know he's he's probably the pinnacle of that on the ESO network. As far as if you want to hear about the latest news, as far as pop culture wise goes, uh, you, yeah, there's no better source at least on our network and even elsewhere than the pop culture cosmos. Nope. I kind of agree with that. And he, he does puts out a show so quickly that the topics are still relevant, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> you know? I know, right? He has to wait for like, uh, you know, 50 some years, right. Uh, to review a movie. Nope. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> don't, you don't have to ever worry about that. Cause you know, he'll, he'll get it out. He would have been talking about cool hand Luke back in 1967. So it's awesome. So, awesomeness um my shout out real quick is some sad news we had a passing of a true comic legend this last week we lost carl reiner and for those who don't know who carl reiner is he is the man who brought you the dick van dyke show he is um a man who brought you the jerk he is uh also the man who did multiple Steve Martin movies. He did, uh, you know, back in the 1950s, he was with Emma Jean Coca and Sid Caesar, and they did a little TV show called Your Show of Shows. And he, you know, he was at the, you know, the beginning of television. He and, you know, his friend Mel Brooks, you might have heard of this guy, um, did a little thing called The 2,000-Year-Old Man. And, you know, I can keep on reading through the list. More modern people knew him from Ocean's Eleven, the remake. Um, He was uh, Saul in it, the older gentleman who was part of the crew. Um, So, you know, you've seen Carl Reiner in multiple things. And he, he was still working and, you know, you know, coming up with new things up to almost to the day he died, they put a picture out the night before he passed away. Uh, and it, it was a recent picture because it was him laying in bed with his daughter and Mel Brooks, and they were all wearing black life matters t-shirts. And, you know, it was just, it's pretty awesome. And, you know, these comedy legends, they're, they're start, they've been going away, but this is like one that really hit close to home and you know now just everyone put a circle of magic and hope around mel brooks you know because you know carl and mel before quarantine they did lunch every day at the deli you know they they that's how good of friends they were it was just it was awesome and you know the fact that we've lost buck henry in january and now carl here um that's like 
Yeah, that's that's like that's it's huge. Exactly, Dick Van Dyke. You know, is another one. Yeah, that's Dick one. Van Dyke. <laughs> yeah, we're all you know our hopes and prayers with yeah. uh, those that are still surviving. Right? Like, don't you dare, twenty twenty. Exactly. <laughs> oh, don't even get me started on Hugh Downs passing away in twenty twenty. You know, so right. it's just crazy. That was fitting, I think. Oh, it kind of was. So, you know, who knows? But 2020 has been the worst decade of my life, as I like to say. So, yes. <laughs> it, it is just, it just, and we're only halfway through, folks. Yep. And it just keeps giving. It is. It does. <laughs> it does. So, uh, speaking of giving, we are going to be back again next week. And we got a great show for you next week. Ashley's going to be back, and hopefully Alex will be. Uh, we are going to be looking at the early 1960s classic, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, featuring tons of comedians. It's going to be very interesting to see. And until then, my name is Mike Faber. On behalf of myself, Mr. Mike Gordon, and Ashley Pauls, we will see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we are done. And be safe. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.